listening to Around Comics. Special guest, our friend, one of the original OG Around Comics friends of the program, Mr. Andy Parks, writer, artist, uh, bon vivant, man of mystery, uh, author. I don't know. I don't even know. He's got more titles than Fre- uh, Fre- frequenter of Haberdashery. Haberdashery. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I once sent an, I once sent Andy a text about asking him about fedoras that. Uh, I wanted to know if there was any any value to some fedoras my uncle had left behind, but there. Were... Oh, I have a vague memory. Of yeah. That. Was I helpful? Uh, yeah. Well, they weren't worth much, but uh, you okay. know, yeah, I have one somewhere around. I said they're worthless. Send them to me immediately. <laughs> well, was... it's, it's, yeah. His, his, his uncle had 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 a pretty big melon, and I know that uh, that that you um, have trouble finding hats. Big I do. Enough. I am cursed with a seven and a half long oval, so. Finding vintage hats in that side that are actually made that way, it's hard. hard to Mostly it's like smaller. the Luca Brazzi style. I need right. the Luca Brazzi. That's right. Uh, <laughs> hit me with that Luca Brazzi. <laughs> well, Andy, welcome back. It's always good to see you. Um, uh, I, I, I don't want to don't want to put a pall on it, but unfortunately, the reason that we called you is because we wanted to talk about one. of You the, are the, the specter great, of death, and we I, wanted I, to bring you on. <laughs> You've ushered another great creator off the to the heavens, Andy. So, uh, uh, of course, we're talking about Neil Adams, who passed away this past week, and um, as soon as as news broke on that, I think. Uh, uh, we all uh, immediately uh, thought, yeah, we need to we need to take time next week and and really talk about Neil Adams, what he meant to us as creators. And I thought and, you were going to say we all immediately thought we need to get we need, we need to get Andy need on to, Andy to talk Andy. about this. <laughs> yeah, Parks has got to be on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we, we want to take take a few minutes and 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 talk about Neil Adams because he's uh, you know if there's a, a Mount Rushmore of of comic book creators, you can make a really good case that he should be on it. Yeah, I agree. I for me, I I have a trio, and I think the fourth spot could rotate. But Eisner, Kirby, and Adams for me are very defining as far as what. American comic books became in the last 50 years or so? Well, with Neil, it's it's so, I mean, even talk about him in, in some sort of retrospective is so difficult. The, you know, the amount of work that right. he did, but then you get into everything else as far as creator mm-hmm. rights and original art that he fought for. And, and that's one of the things to me about him that's, you know, like he used his position um, and yeah. in an industry that, you know, not to, not to, shit on comic books because i obviously i love the comic book industry but you know i think 
as freelancers, a lot of times the last thing a creator is trying to do is stick their neck out for somebody else because yeah. they have to worry about their own job and their own way of life and their own, you know, family and everything else. So for him to sort of, you know, really fight for other creators rights is, is just a, a really important thing, a part of him that maybe doesn't get talked about enough uh, because of his art, but his art obviously mm -hmm. is such an amazing thing as well. I, even... I admired that about him. Neil had a very, a thing Phil and I always, Phil Hester and I always joke about. We are pretty self-deprecating about our careers and our skills. <laughs> um, and we envy guys like Matt Wagner is a good example, a guy who is not a jerk about it, but just <clears throat> Neil, uh, Matt will show you a cover. Like I'll be in a studio. Look at this cover I did. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> I would never, <laughs> I would never even, I can't. And uh, and Neil was definitely like Neil had a very confident view of his stance in the industry, and he wasn't mm -hmm. afraid to throw that stance around a little if it meant looking out for the little guy. Yeah, it's I, it's funny. I was just reading uh, there was an intro in the Neil Adams Batman Volume One uh, that DC mm -hmm. put out, and it's on Hoopla. So I was I was looking at it um, before the show and the intro is written by Neil and it's, he's like, you know, the first thing he says is just sort of like, I don't deserve this. Like, I don't know why this book exists. I don't really deserve it. And it's like, well, I mean, but you, you kind of get the feeling like, I mean, he obviously knew his place in the industry and his legend and all those kind of things, but he, he was a pretty self-deprecating guy. I mean, he was a pretty humble, although, I don't know if humble yeah, is the word I would use. I, yeah, you're, right, you're right. It wasn't. He wasn't humble, but it was. Yeah. He wasn't. He was very self. He was very self-aware. Yeah. Well. And 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 you know, I think in a in and that could have been viewed as as a lot of hubris on on his part. He he knew who he was. Um, but the times that I mean, we were lucky enough to talk to him a few times on the show and at conventions, you know, over the phone. Uh, he always made time uh, for us, um, you know, if it fit into his schedule. And you're right; he was self-deprecating whenever you would talk with me. He was really well humored, but he, you could also tell that you know he knew that like his time was valuable, and and he always put value. He, the guy, was he money was oriented. He always he put value the, on things. He was an adult <laughs> in an industry where not all creators are very adult-like. Yes. You know, yeah. or where, where, yeah. you know, he's very like... Well, he didn't you know, devalue the, himself. The, the, yeah, like the very idea, I mean, of like creators being important. Yeah. Or that they should be considered at all as having value other than like... Now you have done this and now you are done and you will be right. valuable once we need you again. But like, you know, from everything from, you know, pushing for Siegel and Schuster to get credit for, for Superman or just like that whole idea that there's any value in creators. You know, when we talk about comics, we talk about the people that make comics, right? Like we, that's the driving force for us, right? I mean, as a kid, mm. maybe not as much, but like, that whole idea that there's actual people that make these things in the, and that in the 60s their viewpoint and, is valuable. Yeah, in the 60s well, and yeah. 70s, the industry didn't view it that way, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah. I think he I think he just by his star power, and Andy, you can probably talk to this. 
was Neil Adams? I know that that like Kirby, they with the bullpen, bullpen, you know, bull bullpen bulletins and that whole bullpen thing that Marvel did. They kind of pushed the creators forward a little bit, but I kind of think of Neil Adams as kind of the first like real superstar creator. Maybe um, because he he came to fame in an era when, when fandom was really developing, you know, you're starting yeah. to see fanzines and, and Neil's appeal early on spread because DC was smart enough to stick him on covers on, mm-hmm. you know, 50 boring books a month that mm-hmm. they had the same crap. Sorry. I actually love Chris Swan, but they, you've read those <laughs> stories, you know, yeah. Superman befuddled by a criminal who's but... turned into a, a monkey um, ah, another ro- one of my robots escaped <laughs> again. Yeah, but man, you stick a Neil cover on there, and mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. start to notice that stuff. And then Neil used his clout to to say, "All right, enough DC. I really want to see what what Marvel can offer me for a while." And so mm-hmm. I think people he developed maybe the for the first time this cult of moving with the artists. Like, okay, what's that guy sure. doing now? That I'm definitely going over there. Well, the, we we actually um, we did this as kind of a book of the month uh, way back. This is the Neil Adams uh, collection from X Men, and it kind of details him coming over to to take over this. You know, there's a lot of of myth and mythos about that. Mm-hmm. Of you know, did did he go into Stan's office and say, "Give me your worst book, and I'll make it a you know bestseller"? You know, there's all those stories. But I, I think something that is is pretty true um, is that he went in and it's like. You guys, ha- you you have to change the way that you're coloring this book, and mm-hmm. so we've got to, you know, you have to give me a a wider palette. And so, you know, he actually kind of forced Marvel's hand into changing, you know, uh, how they color their books. Right? And- Didn't he go in? I think Legend has it that he basically doubled their palette because he said, "You're not yeah. using all these gradations." And the other reason you're not is because the printer said, eh, no thanks. Well, they, they had to use tighter. It, we, we can get into nerdy, geeky right. printing. So they, had, they had to use a tighter screen. It was more expensive. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was what it came down mm. to. But you look at the coloring in that book, and for the time, it's it's absolutely stunning what, yeah. what he Which kind makes of forced it, I, Marvel to I do. I do not want to get into bashing in any way, but the, the colors on those books that he supervised are so brilliant and simple. And the more recent editions that get kind of—I don't—I don't. Oh, know. the uh, the the Neil Adams Batman. Yeah, ones the revisited that, ones. I don't yeah, where he he, he even redrew stuff. Yeah, in there. yeah, yeah. I actually, I kind of—I wouldn't say I got into it, but his son and I had a little exchange on Twitter years ago, where I just very—I tried to very respectfully say. Neil has evolved as a commercial artist, and I understand that, and I appreciate that. I think he was a more sensitive inker in 1968 for these stories mm. uh, than he is at the moment. I wish he'd just kind of leave him alone, you know, that uh, there's a story that Frazetta used to do that. Frazetta, late in his life, he lived like next to his museum. Mm-hmm. And they'd have to stop him because he wanted to go over and touch up the paintings. And they're like, oh. <laughs> Finished. They're good. They're good. They're good as they are. How do you say no? He's like, he's like, he's like, I live here. This is my museum. Right. It's my painting. Leave me alone. It's my art. (laughs) But yeah, I and I think what I said at the time was I wish Neil would would just 
savor those stories for the perfection that they were in their time and move on to other things. But I, I get it. You want to revisit, <laughs> you want to tweak as George Lucas. Yeah. I wish he'd just kind of like go the John Byrne route. It's like Byrne's like, okay, if uh, Marvel's not going to let me do the X-Men, I'm just going to secretly do it for 20 years. Right. <laughs> but Neil, Neil was too mercenary for that. Neil, Neil mm -hmm. moved from one way to monetize his career mm -hmm. to another. I mean, he, it's like you funny. Said, he was a businessman. He, he, and he yeah, I real, I realized this. And then he did this. And then, and late in the later years, he found a way to really monetize conventions. And that became his, mm -hmm. his business model. Chris, you know that I, from I, personal experience. Well, you're, you know, two stories. Um, so I was I was uh, talking to him, interviewing him at, at a convention in Chicago, and you know I've got like ten minutes with him. So we're we're it's the Simon Schuster stuff was was happening at that time. So I get his take on that, and you know then we kind of just talk about the, the 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 high notes in his career and. Not once, not twice, not three times. He didn't talk about Batman. He didn't talk about Man Bat. He didn't talk about his run on the X-Men. But boy, how proud he was of the Nazan XB. <laughs> That's just paying the bills, baby. Come on. I right, right. He's yeah, he he kept he kept going back talking about that Nazan X uh campaign that they oversaw. So it's right. like, yeah, he was he was a he was a commercial working artist, you know, yeah. and and yeah, bottom dollar. But the last convention I went to was here in Wisconsin, and they had built out the there were tables like shaped almost like a T that were piled with with books and merchandise and they made like this aisle down the middle to which is how you approached neil and the table was like up on like a mini riser it was really like getting an audience with the king <laughs> you walk down this aisle and he's raised above you where you look up sir listen you, i know? appreciate all of it at this point <laughs> I, I just left a job that i was at for 20 almost 28 years at a place that did not value me very much and let me tell you if you don't value yourself and you surround yourself with people that don't value you you start to believe it you know and so yeah. i i really appreciate at this point in my life someone that valued himself and wasn't going right. to let other people devalue him because there are lots of people out there willing to do that and take oh. advantage of you and and you know and, and especially i think in this industry as much as any you know that that, that yeah. there's been a long history of of hucksters that you know are more than happy to make money off of your work and not give you shit for it so yeah Say what you will. Well, one, of, one of the best things about Neil was that he was not selfish about that attitude. Yeah. Um, I shared on Twitter and Facebook the other day my story the one time I showed him my work when I was just barely breaking in. That's why I called you. Is that right? You know, I got the, I'm bad. What do you want to show me this for? You know, all that. All, the attitude. Um, but now, and at the time, I was ready for it. I was prepared. And I, I kissed his ass just enough that we got along <laughs> fine. And it was great. And I was glad I had that time with him. Now, <clears throat> I know so many people who've had that experience, but they had it in person at Continuity, and they kept going back. And now I know how that's been repeated. I, you know, I don't know Frank Miller, but I know that's his story. I know that's Dennis Cowan's story. I do know Chaikin pretty well. That was Howard's story. Neil would kick your ass two or three times around the block. And if you kept coming back and showing improvement every time, he would say, all right, 
You got something. Let me make a call. And the next thing you know, you had a job drawing a weird Western tale for, you know, he, he, he spread it around. He was yeah. not selfish about that, caring about your position. For uh, for people out there that that don't know um, what Continuity Studios was, can you kind of explain what that was? Kind of its place in in comics. At at some point, Neil, I think it had enough of taking what the big two would offer him page wise, and he's like, I want page rate wise. He said, I want to be my own boss. So he and Dick Giordano founded a commercial art studio. And if you look, um, you can Google a number of these things. They did, um, oh God, there's a cassette tape line of commercials they did that are brilliantly drawn. Uh, there's a vodka series, pop-off vodka. Those are really delightful. Um, and they just started taking commercial art jobs because Neil was like, all right, I've done it. I've told stories for a while. I got kids I need to raise. It's time to make some money in this commercial art world. And eventually uh, they made their own comics too, including, and they ushered in some other creators, including Michael Golden, who created Bucky O'Hare under that uh, umbrella. Mm. And in so doing and making these comics, Neil started hiring the guys that he knew in comics. Um, who have I talked to in person? Russ Heath, Chaikin, Rubenstein, Giordano, Terry Austin, Klaus Jansen, all those guys were funneled up through that system of coming in, uh, Inca commercial art job or Inca crusty uh, bunkers. Uh, that was Neil's kind of umbrella. They, they would throw in and ink something for Marvel. Uh, if Gil Kane handed in like breakdowns on a Conan job and they didn't have anybody, they'd get crusty bunkers. And 10 guys under Neil's tutelage would ink it. Mm -hmm. And Neil might go through and say, I want this one, this one, this one. You guys can have these, and you know. Um, but he's he he brought in so many guys and shepherded them and taught them how the business worked that there are tons of guys, and I'm not one of them. I I just barely had cursory encounters with him. Tons of guys who have this fatherly feeling about Sinkevich talked about it the other day uh, eloquently this fatherly feeling about Neil, like he was their daddy in comics who brought them in, taught them, and then shoved them out the door and said, go get it. That was something, um, you know, over the last week, uh, just all of the tributes and, and, you know, messages and things that people wrote online about him, you know, for every creator, you know, almost it seemed like in comics had something to say uh, about Neil and what he had done for them or, you know, amazing encounters and just all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a, a huge uh, part of somebody's value, right? Like what people say at the end of the day, you know, right. who you've helped, who you've, you know, done things for, that's, it's something that whose lives you touched, you know, um, outside of just how many fans that he's right, you know over yeah. the decades that he's touched but it's just like yeah that that's pretty impressive yeah if there, you know there's... anything about the continuity structure i mean his wife was there sons around um he had a he had a very familial attitude about things i think and that stretched out in the comics in general 
Yeah, it, 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 he's a, a generational uh, creator in, in, in comics because, you know, I think um, the people that were buying Neil Adams stuff off the shelf at the time, you know, obviously have a, have a deep connection uh, to him. You know, I think for, you know, like uh, me and Sal, um, Adams was, he, was he even doing really anything at that point whenever whenever we were buying comics, I, my first, my first experience with Neil Adams was reading those, um, X-Men, um, run that he did in reprints. Yeah. And so I think by the, you know, by mid eighties, was he really even working in the industry much? It might've been around the time that he, st- his continuity line came out with, um, Ms. Mystic and, um, uh, oh boy, what do people like to make fun of the escape man book, stuff like that. Um, that might, around that time. I'm like you. I got a Newman Beck issues. Um, mm-hmm. Batman 243 was the first one. It's uh, the cover is him in it, like a judo battle with another guy. <laughs> that comic, I, I just there's a Jack Kirby comic that did this for me, and then there's that Neil comic. Just blew my mind about what was possible on that page. Um, and if you compare, somebody did it on Twitter last week. They posted an X Men page by like. Bernard Roth or one of those guys mm-hmm. from like a year before Neil took over. Mm-hmm. Same kind of, it's like the Sphinx and he's, it's the same, it's like the Sphinx origin story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Drew, then posted Neil's version. It, it's mind blowing. It's uh-huh. just, it's, like, it's kind whoa. of standard old cartooning versus this cinematic, semi realistic, but not boring. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Stuff. Everybody, it's like that was one of the things that kind of drove me a little crazy over the last couple week or so. Is just like people, oh, he, he, you know, ushered in this realistic, you know, take, and it's like, ah, man, it, it, I understand why people say that, but it wasn't yeah. realistic. Like it was, right? It was, you know, it didn't look like somebody was drawn from photographs. It was dramatic. It was dramatic. It was, yes. Uh, yeah. Right. We knew, we yeah. know guys. We could name guys who draw from reference. Yeah. And it, and it looks it. I think the, my favorite quote about Neil is Neil draws people just the way they would look if they looked that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's awesome. realistic, but it's yeah. also it's the dynamism. Of yeah, they're dynamic and dramatic, yeah. and the lighting. I mean, and yeah, I mean, he he adds a muscle here or there, you know, on occasion to make it look right. But you know, yeah, is that his his characters always looked really sculpted to me, right? There's just I don't. Well, I was gonna uh, hands. Hands, yes. there is, I don't know if another artist draws hands as much or uses hands in his layouts as much as Neil did. Like that's one of, you know, hands and feet. Those are the things that are really tough to draw, right? Like ask Rob Liefeld, he, he the joke mm-hmm. of Liefeld not ever drawing feet on a character, which is not true, but, but yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to draw hands and feet. And Neil, like, there's not a page that goes by that he doesn't have, have hands coming at you and, and they're yeah. beautifully drawn hands and feet and constantly feet are coming at you, kicking at you and flying at you. And it's just like, yeah, he had no fear of that. He, you know, <laughs> he could draw them as good as anybody. Dick Giordano once told me when I, he was looking at my stuff that an artist who can draw hands and faces well will get work every time over the artist who draws everything okay. Mm-hmm. But man, if you can come in like Neil for that close-up, right? and if you can draw these <laughs> things coming at you, it's a, yeah. you can get away with a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, there's just, you look at it, even back in his Batman stuff, it was just like constantly the hands, fingers, they're, they're in every panel almost. It's just like, that's my favorite Neil page. Oh yeah. That's, that's a great you one. Know, hands, yeah. and, hands, hands and feet, and feet right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a dynamic, yeah. uh, that's the uh, beast, uh, falling out of a, a that's not, window. I mean, like yeah. I said, I understand why people say realistic because it was Chris, before you put that away, I'm sorry. To no, go ahead. Can you show me the first page of X-Men? Because it, it says a lot, I think. Oh, the first page? Yeah, his first page of X-Men. The, 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 Angel the, flying the, in? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's just... You, yeah. If you're reading Marvel Comics, you never saw anything like that before. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, and I, you know, I uh, came into X-Men, Paul Smith worked my way immediately back into the into the burn um stuff and and then i think i i sought out um the neil adams stuff so i mean that was those were like the, the if if you were to line up the the first three artists that i really followed in comics mm -hmm. it was paul smith and then burn and then then adams and i didn't know um, you're a big paul smith guy i love that he didn't get enough credit i don't think Oh, that was uh, we we, we had burn on the show <laughs> way 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 back, and uh, and I think we asked him uh, when did you when did you realize that the X Men had become this giant book, um, and he said uh, at, right after Paul Smith took over. <laughs> I think I think my I think Green Arrow, you know, the Green Lantern, Green Arrow was the stuff that I first. Mm -hmm. went back to uh, because I was a big Green Lantern fan and yeah that was uh but I but honestly I think the first thing I remember was the Muhammad Ali the Superman mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali I was like well you know because mm -hmm. I was I grew up a big boxing fan my dad was a huge boxing fan I grew up watching boxing and Ali was you know Ali and and you know him fighting Superman was something uh, that when I came to know that existed I was like oh I, <laughs> I gotta check that out and and then it was yeah, I was like, who is who is this who is this guy? Who is yeah. Neil Adams? I don't even know who he I didn't really know at that point who he was. Uh but then yeah, going back and and seeing all that stuff. And then the Batman. Well, the Batman was right. it's still like one of the best versions of Batman. His Batman is just uh, you know, defining of that character. Sure. It's uh speaking of the the Ali comic, um that that was one where I got to see uh, a little bit of his disdain for the industry. We were the same time that I had interviewed him. We were uh, we were walking to his table as we were starting, and we walked past the original art dealer that oh. has the big splash page yeah, yeah. of Ali Albert, and Superman. Albert Moy has the Superman and Ali shaking hands at the end. He had it for that years. That yeah. is, is okay. Well, we're walking past that booth and. I saw Neil look at it and he goes, Oh, hey. And he looks and then he sees the price posted on it at twenty thousand right. dollars. And I just saw him just for a second, you could like see like a fire. <laughs> and his eyes was like, it, it was yeah. He was Neil like, was you know, how dare they? Maybe the first guy in comics who yeah. Oh, with the coloring, not I don't like the new coloring. Um, but yeah, Neil saw that happen a lot, and I think he even he looked into laws about it. is there any way the original yeah. artist is is can be compensated and yeah get I a percentage new york, whatever new york whoever said not not gonna happen 
Yeah. And I don't think Neil had a claim that his stuff was stolen. You know, it just Hinker sold it cheap or he sold it cheap. And then we've seen what happens. It's insane. Yep. Yep. Exactly. But Neil, <laughs> like, like Phil Hester pointed out on Twitter the other, other day, Neil kind of created the whole industry because artists weren't getting their pages back mm-hmm. until, yeah. until Neil said, screw you. I'm not signing this thing on the back of my check that says you own all this. I'm, I'm not doing it. Yeah, there was um, a few a few years ago. Um, I think for uh, you know talking about how different generations look at him. This is after he's you know obviously done all of his his big work, and um, there's I think there's a whole generation of comic book fans that just kind of know him as uh, crazy Hollow Earth guy. <laughs> <laughs> and. You know, if you're going to talk about you know the guy, the guy's life and and kind of his his very you know public image um, that was there. I mean, that was part of it. Well, and, let's be honest. And people were really uh, shit on him about Hollow it. And I was Earth like, hey, pretty quaint. In this continuum, in this day and age, it's pretty quaint and cute. As a, in, in 2006, it caught people off guard. It's yeah, way below yeah. like Q now. So, oh yeah, I'm, nowadays it's like, oh, that's a ah, that's adorable. I love that's great. But uh, you know, I wish that's all yeah, we were no, we were dealing I, yeah, with. Yeah, I wish controversies of yeah, yeah. people believing. I was thinking about that the other day. Of it, he actually did. He was going to produce this two guys in a bar. About two guys expanding on these, theory, no, no pun intended, expanding because it was expanding. <laughs> expanding <very well>. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't know how many pages of it he drew. You can find some of them. And it's literally just two guys in a bar, one explaining all that stuff to another. Um, yeah. I wanted to say, um, I've, I've been telling my wife stories about Neil because his death really hit me hard. I think largely in part, largely in part. That's a dumb phrase. Uh, largely because he was. Still... How's that? How's that writing gig going? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is it, Alec? To quote Alec Baldwin, I used to be a writer. It's a tough writer. Um, <laughs> but largely because Neil was still vibrant. Um, he was still. He could still make a kick-ass drawing. You could still go to Facebook and see him hawking his stuff. You know, there was no ten-year period where like, oh, Neil's you know off in his pasture. Right. Somewhere. So it hurts. Anyway, I've been telling her stories about Neil, and she said, wow, Neil seems to break the mold of all your heroes who were these brilliant, self-destructive assholes. And I said, well, I wouldn't say Neil was self-destructive, but he did. He had a he had a streak. You know, he could tell he would tell you the truth. He wouldn't suffer a fool. <laughs> um, I remember one time I went to talk to him. He and I were like, he kind of knew who I was. Like, mm-hmm. he his social, he's like, don't you, do you draw Green Arrow now or something? I said, yeah, I did. <laughs> and I'm sure he, he must have looked at our stuff and thought, what what children. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the funny thing. It's like, you and Phil are not out of the Neil Adams illustrative school. No, no. But, you know, I, I think um, artists, and I think this applies to other artistic endeavors, writing or whatever, I think you tend to really um, idolize the people who do things that are magical to you, which are the things you cannot do easily. And mm-hmm. I cannot draw. I could try for a hundred years. I can't draw like Neil Adams. What I can do is bold and graphic and simple. Mm-hmm. And so to me, his work just is, it's magic. I, I can't relate to it. And so that's one of the reasons he's a such a hero to me. 
Um, but I, yeah, I would go to talk to him in San Diego for a little bit and then chat. And actually, the two I have two Tarzan roughs hanging in my studio here. Wow. And I told him that, and after a glimmer of like, <laughs> he said, "Would you send me the scan so I can put it?" He he used my scans for his savage sketchbooks that he would sell at shows and stuff. Oh, know? that's cool. That's awesome. But yeah, once I was talking to him, I said, oh, I love Giordano, especially on the Superman Muhammad Ali. And Neil was like, yeah, Dick did pretty good. And I was like, don't start on Dick, you. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. He, he he was his own best anchor, and he, he knew that. And he thought everybody else probably lost a little subtlety here or there. I like Dick. I like Tom Palmer a lot, but I, I get it. Yeah, well, I yeah, what is what what is what is your favorite Adams work? I'm like Sal, the the Green Lantern Green Arrow stuff has probably made the biggest impact on me. Mm -hmm. um, because I had never read any socially conscious comics before. You know, I, I'm not, by the way, I am an old man, but I'm not old enough that I was buying these off the rack. I was <laughs> discovering all these in the... I wasn't talking about you earlier. No. It was, I, I was talking I to most of our listeners. in the 70s as I could find them in back issue. Like, and I think I got the Christ issue first, which is actually his last issue. Mm. And it just, I was blown away. Like, oh my God, wow. it was poignant and moving and it said something that needed to be said. I, like, damn. Just the idea, like we're going to take these two guys and kind of put them on the road. Like it was a road picture, you know, it was like with these two superheroes that were friends. And then stick one of the guardians with them. Is this yeah. kind of crusty old president? Yeah. Right? Right. And it was just like, that was the coolest thing to me. Like the wildest thing you could do with a superhero comic at the time when I, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I, it was the eighties when I was reading those comics, uh, yeah. It, it maybe even later than that by the time I ever, you know, I, I kind of got a look at them, but yeah, it was just like, Oh, this is, this is a, such a different take on superheroes. Like what, you know, the, these dudes are just going to like travel around and see the world. It was like, you know, yeah. Yeah. It was a hangout movie kind of thing or, you know, it's just like, wow. Yeah. And now I hate, you know, it's, and, and Denny is gone now too. So, yeah. you know, yeah. So when uh, when you guys took over uh, Green Arrow, um, I mean, is there any? I mean, do you look at you know the your heroes and say, oh my gosh, I'm drawing the same book that you know that some of my some of my artistic heroes, you know? I think I don't know how much we referenced it, except maybe how to draw the hat because the hat is tricky <laughs> and you know, mm -hmm. made it look easy. Um, <laughs> I was much more aware of that than Phil. Phil um, loves Neil, but he's more of a Toth, um, Kriegstein kind of graphic sure. guy. Yeah. Um, but I was very aware that I was drawing this book that my hero had defined in my own eyes. And that it, one of the many reasons that book, like I look at the first issue now and I'm like, oh my God, how did we even do it? Because there was so much pressure. Like, Phil and I had been working at DC and working regular, but not together and not on a book that had Kevin Smith writing and a relaunch of a character that hadn't been around for a while. That and book was a big deal. Like before yeah. it came out, it was a big deal. So, so uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember sitting at the board like, <laughs> this is a big deal. Um, 
but yeah, it, it was very surreal to be, and you know, what's the most surreal is that people come up to me now because that book is like 20 years old. I think maybe the first issue or close to it. Yeah. People come up to me now and they say the green narrow artists and the reason I like the kid. And I'm like, oh, that's so kind. And I know how silly it is because Neil's books are sitting there like, what, what are you talking about? Every generation, man. There's a different yeah. look. I've got a little Andy Parks. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh. I have. Yeah, Phil and I established the uh, pattern that if people bring us a hardcover, we sketch in it. So I still have my uh, Phil Hester bathroom sketch, the greatest con sketch of his, in history. Oh. <laughs> he drew uh, drew me Captain America while he was taking a piss. I don't. I don't. Wow. I'll never. Yeah. In the uh, Marriott lobby uh, in the Hyatt yeah that was in the Hyatt yeah. outside, outside, of outside of Knuckles yeah, yeah that was at the Hyatt yeah, Knuckles. yeah 2000, 2001 Comic-Con a couple weeks ago and they couldn't remember what Knuckles was called they were calling it Fisters I was like no <laughs> the shocker it was the shocker no 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 <laughs> how was it uh, how was it getting back into con life it was really good it was nerve-wracking um I'm not used to being around people without a mask. And so I would like where, if I knew I was going to be in an elevator or if there were mm -hmm. a crowd of people at my table, I would put my mask on, but I didn't have it on all the time. And it, it's nerve wracking. I mean, I'm, I'm as boosted as you can be. And I still, I don't want to get it. I just don't want it. Mm -hmm. I still want to get sick. I mean, eventually, I think, you know, over the years, some, we'll probably all get it eventually, but you want to avoid it as long as you can for the strains to get less and less. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was nerve wracking, but I, I came out healthy and it was great. Had dinners with Howard Chaikin and I got to meet Garth Ennis. And yeah, it was it was Sweet. fun. Phil and I hung out. Very good. You, that reminds me, it's, it's a tangent, but because Howard and I talked about this a little bit. This was before Neil passed. But we, we actually ended up talking about it with Neil one night uh, because Howard is one of those guys who was kind of a mentor. or Neil was a mentor to him. Mm -hmm. um, I always think it's amusing to think about guys like mm, it's not fair but like Shelley Moldoff let's say a guy who is a decent cartoonist you could tell an efficient story he got regular work doing fine and Neil comes along <laughs> and why aren't you this changes yeah. the, like like boom, like changes the expectations and a little bit unfairly because Neil, he made a lot of comics in a certain period there, but you know, like he couldn't keep up on Avengers. And so there had to be a, you know, they had to bring in Basema and they, mm -hmm. he had trouble keeping up because I, I think at, at times he knew like he inked that Joker story himself because he knew this is the Neil Adams Batman Joker story and it's not getting fucked up by anybody and I'm inking it. Um, so he, <laughs> He viewed jobs as milestones, I think. And people now who like Brian Hitch or any of these kind of dynamic but realistic guys, that came out of Neil. And I kind of feel sometimes for those guys who are just going along doing their work. Like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> I just barely, yeah. I barely hit the bar. <laughs> before you right. now you just fucking yeah. threw it over my head yeah that's that i can't that's an interesting perspective of you know yeah a guy like that i mean yeah i guess there's a handful of those dudes right that just come in and and sort of 
reset the paradigm and all of a sudden fuck you know <laughs> okay now yeah, what no, now, no. You know? but do you chase that you know yeah if you like you said it's it, it's it's one of those things where how do you you can't do you can't replicate it i mean as many you know right. it's like how many guys tried to be neil adams after that and failed and and some oh. some made it you know some did it but yeah. you know like yeah it's it's such a weird crazy thing but yeah you have those dudes that tent pole all of a sudden <laughs> sorry yeah. so you're gonna have to uh you know raise the bar here it's 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 right. a new thing mm-hmm it's funny we were talking about um, you know, and uh, at, at the time, especially whenever you know Adams is coming in, there were house styles, right? You know, we're aware of that. In that X Men uh, collection, uh, before I forget the the artist you mentioned uh, earlier, that was before him, but the the oh, one Werner like Roth, the guy who came before, yeah, yeah, right before Roth, it was a guy named Barry Smith. Yeah, hack. <laughs> <laughs> not yet that, not yet formed yeah right and so i think there were a lot of those guys that were just doing a house style and then whoops Sinkevich, you know you what he was doing was like his moon knight stuff and yeah. you know i i love that you know i think that neil adams was one of those artists that kind of helped open the door for mm. people that had a style that wasn't the the house style yeah right Bill has a very healthy attitude about Neil. Bill acknowledges that early on he was doing Neil. And then he became tight with Neil. And and Neil encouraged him to push further and expand and grow in different directions. And by the time he got to Electra Assassin, he's totally his own artist and expanding out in crazy ways. Yeah, right. no kidding. He took that I advice mean, to heart. <laughs> It's, Has yeah, anybody it's, expanded, uh, you know, further than Sienkiewicz in comics? Yeah. You know, like, wow. And his Neil Adams was good. Really good, yeah. I mean, he was always awesome. But, yeah, you look at, I mean, you take Because he that, didn't trace him. He he drew like him, but he didn't trace him. Yeah. Like well, he's that like good. He, he, did on occasion. Yeah. yeah. He's just that good. And you look at the Moon Knight stuff, which is great. And then you take that jump to, like, New Mutants and then you know, Electra Assassin. It's like, whoa. I was going to ask you guys, you know, covers, comic book covers, obviously, I mean, that's always been an important thing about comics and, you know, it sells the comic, it's on the shelf, it's the first thing people see, but man, Neil's covers, to me, it was like, was that, do you feel like such a shift? Because his covers are amazing. There's covers of his that are just, you know, I mean, the comic might be, crap but his covers he sold comics baby holy <laughs> shit just, but was he one of the first guys that really just you know created that almost of like you know because now it's like you'll they'll hire you know they'll, they'll have somebody do the cover and somebody completely else you know is doing the interiors just to sell the book um do you think that that was part of that, you know, growth of, or the, you know, I don't know if it grew the evolution, the, 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 the star cover artist. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm looking online now and just some of, you know, here's just a Batman. I don't even know what two twenty nine, And it's just, fuck, it's a great cover. It's, I don't even know what it's yeah. trying. You know, it's, it's not like it's even anything spectacular as far as the content, but it's just the way he's, 
you know, and there's seven, seven there's seven hands on it. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. Yeah, there's seven, <laughs> seven hands on this cover. <laughs> More hands per cover. But it's just amazing. It's awesome. Uh, it's a good point. He wasn't the first guy to do those kind of dynamic, bold, symbol covers, but he might have been the first kind of hired gun to like come in here and brighten up our Jimmy Olsen line for a few months because we're we're dying over here. Yeah. But he had to move the needle, right? I mean, you can resist some of those. Covers. Oh man, I, absolutely. I posted something that so Heritage, the auction site, is a great resource for scans. If you create an account, you can go to their backlog of sales and have access to these incredible high-res scans. And I just searched Neil Adams' cover there last week and just found Superman covers that are so dynamic. Superman busting a statue. And the inside story, I've seen the inside story. It's okay. Yeah. Mm. It ain't like the cover. Right. And another one is Superman holding up a, a mask like this mm -hmm. in the foreground. And then Superman's been exposed to a criminal, like just irresistible. They also were really colored well, uh, supervised mm -hmm. by Jack Adler, who I think was Howard Stern's cousin, I think is what Howard says. Um, okay. <laughs> who had this really cool um, technique of using a, a plate of gray layered in with the colors to give you a really neat kind of deep effect rich but without going overboard on you know saturated colors and so on here's a mm -hmm. just some oh we can show things yeah. yeah i mean you know some of this stuff is just yeah a lot of house of mystery some cool house of mystery ones yeah. this was but... the one i mean i don't even know who this guy is the mad men but look at seven hands Look at all these hands. He's just drawing <laughs> fucking hands, yeah. you know. I mean, this is an awesome <laughs> cover. I don't even know what it's the yeah. story's about, but yeah. So I love, can you yeah. show that famous Superman chain busting? Oh yeah. yeah. It's right up there in the upper left. This one, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There you go. No, that one. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So iconic. And one of Neil's simpler covers, just an irresistible design. And uh, I think Neil always bitched that they told him they had to put the lettering down below so they mm -hmm. needed the he had to stretch that left leg you know, <laughs> a little bit he wasn't comfortable with yeah but man that it's one of the most iconic superman covers ever my favorite is um uh the x-men if you want to grab that one the uh the one with the living pharaoh oh yeah yeah right here the unused one or the published one i love the unused one which too. which had the the x-men were kind of you know nailed to the you destroyed the logo yeah. too much they couldn't have yeah. it yeah yeah they're i mean they're both brilliant dynamic covers but yeah i love the unused one um but yeah that he would that he would use the um the the titles and typography of the uh of the covers that way it was amazing I think you just showed a, a, one of his variants on the classic Joker cover. I think that sold a year or two ago for, I think, maybe half a million. You've got the original there in the second Is that, is that what killed him? Uh, third one down is black and white image of the original art. Yeah, you're... Oh, yeah. That's Heritage. Mm. Yeah, yeah that. that's all at Heritage. Look at that. Uh, so good. That's brilliant. Yeah, oh, was was I mean, I was missing a word word caption still. What a ripoff! Even this, look at. I mean, you know, <laughs> a phone booth. He's on the phone and it yeah. explodes. I mean, there's such a story in just 
that alone and ah, man yeah it's just some pretty amazing batman tied to the mast of a ship with two-face i don't know why i don't i want to read it though i want to find out why <laughs> here's some house of mystery uh, How we do you, almost uh, got to this earlier. I didn't. I didn't actually say it, but um, you know, Neil had it, like he was a bigger than life guy, and again, didn't suffer fools. But can you imagine? I think he signed to do the Ben Casey strip. He was barely able to sign the contracts because he was just over twenty-one. <laughs> He's twenty-one in like two months. I don't know if you've seen their first year of Ben Casey, but it's freaking remarkable, and really popped versus the other strips um, at the time. I did. Imagine what it's like to be that good when you're 21. No. It's crazy. I'm mediocre at a couple things at 39. There's <laughs> <laughs> some Ben Casey. for that. And he, so this is around um, Neil. Oh, show that one of the, in color there where he did the, the trick. Oh, wow. Panel. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. He did, he did that in Dead Man too, where he, he did oh, the, yeah. like, mystery head that crosses over in several panels. He was blowing people's minds, and he's 21, 22 years old. That's crazy. So Neil, Neil was an illustrator for kind of, in kind of the Mad Men era of um, advertising art in New York. He was working for Johnston Cushing. Is that what they were called? Uh, he and Stan Drake cranking out these amazing commercial jobs. Um, photo reference, but lively and beautifully inked. And making a really good living. And I, I always thought it was interesting that Neil had that lifestyle and had a comic strip, which was his, which for the guys, maybe a little before his time in the fifties, that was the goal. You got a comic mm -hmm. strip and you wrote it out, man. Stan Drake, uh, Alex Raymond, you get a strip. That's it. You got the high life. And Neil had this passion to do comics and he was like, screw this. <laughs> and he went to DC and they treated him like shit. They said, uh, here's a, here's a Jerry Lewis job, kid. Fuck off for, you know, mm -hmm. And he did it, and he kept pushing until they gave him covers and kept pushing until they gave him Brave and Bold. Unreal. He had a passion for comics. God bless him. Yeah, and got to a point that he could really dictate things. Yeah. He had such command of light and dark and just, oh, man. Just at being he able did to some, press uh, light like that. He did some Bob Hope, some Bob Hope stories. Mm-hmm. I'm just he looking at uh, Archie jobs too. And I've read interviews where he said Archie is one of the hardest things he ever had to draw because when you're drawing a hundred lines, you can cheat a little bit. When you have to draw a figure in four lines, it's like, ah, that's me. Exactly. Right. <laughs> well, you I were talking earlier, right. you were talking earlier about, you know, admiring what you can't, you know, do, um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, they say actors, all actors want to be sports heroes and all, you know, uh, professional athletes want to be actors. Um, do you think that Neil would look at someone like a Darwin Cook or a Toth or, or whoever, someone that just has that economy of line and kind of marvel at it? It's interesting. I'm not sure uh, because when I showed him my work that time, this would have been about 91, 92. I went to my first convention in New York. It got so crowded that the fire marshal shut down the hotel for a while because it yeah. too many people in it. But I showed my stuff to Neil, and I had samples. So trying to get work at that time, you kind of had to be a, a West Coast 
um, style. And I had samples over Leonardi, um, JRJR, a few others that I don't remember, maybe John Bogdanov. And Neil looked at these samples and he was kind of nonplussed. He was like, mm, I can't really tell. This stuff is bold and graphic and it's fine. You can make nice lines, but it's not, I can't tell if you can draw. <laughs> I can't relate to it because it's not illustrative. So get some other samples and come see me. And I was like, well, shit. So I'll <laughs> name the name. Here. I didn't name the name on Twitter. I'll name the name here. I said, well, I know Clark uh, Hawbaker, who is a uh, artist in the Neil school. I could mm -hmm. get some of his samples. He said, oh, that's good. He traces me all the time. That'll... <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I, that may not be fair. I don't think Clark traced anybody, but he was in the Neil school. But anyway, Neil can relate. He wanted to see me doing more illustrative stuff so he could judge mm -hmm. and then kind of shepherd me forward. Very cool. Look at this that's hand. Awesome. Look at this fucking yeah. Superman hand. That is Superman's hand yeah. right there. Nobody, you know, I don't know. Great. Uh, that's fair. I think that's kind of fair though. Honestly, I mean, it's, I mean, in some ways it's like, well, how do I, how do I judge something that I don't understand necessarily? Or I don't, yeah. you know, yeah. I love that cover you're showing so much. That. <laughs> that just rocked my world when I saw that cover on the stand or in a re, you know, back yeah, yeah. Wow. cause nothing looked like that at the time. I guarantee it. No. Yeah. I mean, he kind of changed it. It's, it's after, you know, Neil Adams, it makes his dent in the the industry. I mean, he kind of like defined what comic books look like. Yeah, you know, the, those covers were so. I mean, they're iconic. I was I was getting sad the other day um, about there not being more Neil Adams runs. You know, there's what maybe five classic. He did. Good yeah, he didn't do a lot. He didn't do a lot. On the other hand, yeah. if you're into illustration. He made tons of drawings. There are still tons of Neil Adams drawings that I haven't seen. So maybe not as many complete stories as I would like. Mm -hmm. But if you just enjoy marveling at the artwork, he made a lot of drawings. Yeah. Oh, and I will say one great uh, Neil Adams interaction we had was at uh, New York Comic Con. And we were working with a Hero Initiative um, and... and um, selling sketches and auction you know silent auction at our table and he did so two or three just beautiful eight by ten sketches like he did yeah. a uh, a man bat and a, a green arrow and i want to say there was another one that he did maybe like a hawk man or something like that and uh was totally giving of his time and talents um because it was going to benefit hero Somebody told the story the other day about him being in a San Diego. Might have been Mark and Vanier, I'm not sure. Anyway, he's at San Diego, and he's got his booth, and he's got some stuff spread out. And people are kind of slow to recognize that it's Neil Adams over there, artist Alley, whatever. But by the end of the day, he's got a big line of people dying for a sketch. And Neil said, he went away for a while, came back to his table, sees a big line, he says, okay. Here's what we'll do. We'll go to my hotel. It's across the street, down on block. I'll clear it with the hotel people. I'll sit in the lobby. Somebody bring food. Somebody bring something to drink. 
I'll take care of y'all. It'll take some time, but we'll sit there all night and I'll just make sketches, you know, for whoever needs them. Jeez. Wow. Mm-hmm. One of a kind. He's a legend. One of a kind. He's a legend. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, he was just awesome. So in my studio, I have, um, so is it too much to ask for you to show these? Can you, um, they're on my Twitter, but that could take a while. No, I can find it. Go keep talking. I'll, uh, I'll, so I have three originals in my studio. Um, I was Kirby, there's over... a, there's a, a, a Kirby Thor. Oh yeah. I mean, no, uh, three, three oh. meal originals. Oh, Neil originals. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Did you post them? I was lucky enough over a space of years to first, I got one Tarzan pencil rough. I don't know if you guys have seen the Tarzan paintings that he did, book cover paintings. Yeah. Really phenomenal. Yeah. Um, So I got one pencil rough. And like three years later, a different version of the same cover came up. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, there's no way I'm not getting that. So it was at auction and I had to bid until I got it. So I have two versions of the same cover. Um, Are you having any luck, Sal? Yep. Uh, Um, Here we go. Yes. So that's wow. version A. And then I assume the editor or the art director said, that's great, but we can't have our hero not facing the reader. So he did version B, which is very similar to the painted cover. Um, and what's <laughs> it cracks me up that he didn't redraw the flaming guy because he already drew him perfectly in the other version. So he'll just autograph those together when he does the finished product. Yeah. He just wanted to, yeah. And there's there's a, the finished uh, product. Oh, Lots how cool. So I have those. Uh, and there are more. I, I don't think anybody ever used a pencil like Neil. I marvel at them every day. And then I have a Brave and Bold page from early in his Batman career uh, that Phil Hester, we were at a show. I don't know, 25 years ago. And Phil was roaming around the dealer's room and he sees this page for sale for a hundred bucks. And he realized it was Neil Adams. He said, yeah, I need that. Give me that. And then he knew that he cannot come back to my table and be the guy who showed me, look what I just got for a hundred bucks. That's Jenkins' friendships. Because he knew I was a bigger Neil fan than he. Mm-hmm. So he came back to my table and gifted it to me. Oh, man. Aww. And so I have that on my wall, too, which is a lovely page and also a reminder of my great friendship with Phil. Can I just, uh, on this particular sketch, I love the fact that this sword is here. Like, he, he it's yeah. like he just, it's like, I'm going to throw this in to show the that he dropped the sword because he's on fire and being lifted over this guy's head. Right. It's just like, who thinks of that? Like, that that's, you know, and there it is. There's, you know, yeah. in the finished product. Like, yep, yep, it's still there. It's a, a little further back, but yeah, that's pretty amazing. Go back to the middle one. Um, I love that he grabbed whatever paper was on it. Yeah, yeah, what is this? Right. <laughs> and, and so um, I actually know this cover. There's a sketch for another cover at the bottom of the drawing. What is that? Aquaman? Or and so what I imagine is he's working on this rough. He's probably got his autograph machine out and he's working away on this. 
And then an editor calls and says, hey, Neil, I need a cover. I think it's called Amazing Adventure or Amazing Action or something magazine. He said, and he wrote, I need a montage, World War II, Caveman, Ice Station Zebra. <laughs> <laughs> and he drew a little layout, just a tiny layout, upside down on this lawyer stationery he had sitting around. Weston E. Edwards. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's now awesome. it's hanging I mean, in. Neil did not expect this to be a treasured work of art hanging on my studio wall. It was just a tool, right? It was just a, later. just a. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Lots of Neil. Oh, there's the gift from Phil. This one. Uh, that the black and white. Yep. Oh wow, hundred bucks. A hundred bucks. Oh, with the creeper. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. It's a neat. So that job is actually, I've read where Neil Brave said. Raven the Bold, number 80. Oh, that's awesome. Neil wow. said, I don't know what I was doing with storytelling on that issue. There's some pages that don't make any sense to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was pushing the boundaries a little and he had to use arrows to guide you. But this page is pretty clear and innovative. And I like the way he kind of um, bridges the bottom two panels in a way that they're kind of the same action, but they also are a little progression. It's this here, right? This little effect. You have it here, and then you have it here, and it kind of, and you have the girder. Yeah, yeah it's really the girder carries over. Yeah. This, but that's interesting. This is interesting to me. This little effect he he does this little spiky movement, yeah. but it's the same effect here. It kind of ties the. He was always big. He was bigger than most artists on speed lines, action lines, and yeah. Uh, that flow. Yeah, everything was created. moving. I, 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 this th is a little before Dick figured out how to ink Neil. It's not quite as subtle as Dick would get later, but it's, it's still very effective. I like how he has the little next moment. It, just a little pause there. He wanted an extra pause. <laughs> 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 uh, that's awesome. Remember in this area, he was taking Bob Haney, maybe wrote this. Mm -hmm. um, pretty traditional scripts. Yeah, this is this is this he'd, is he'd, not he'd Marvel. Make a style. scene at night, or he'd make the instead of Batman standing around talking to a commissioner, he'd be lurking in the corner talking to him, you know, just tweaking everything to turn Batman into what he thought he should be. Yeah, it's not and not Marvel style, right? Yeah, good sound effects too. Sunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a great sound effect right there. Sunk. I love that. That's the thing. You know, I the only page of original art that I have that has lettering on it is uh, a Dylan Preacher page. Preacher and it's page. why I love it so much because it's like, well, it's Ennis and Dylan. You know what I mean? Like without the words, it's it's half the freaking thing. But you know, it, yep. yeah, it's just in this era. I don't, this is a history lesson, probably boring to everybody. But in these days, the letter would. So Neil had to pencil this. Mm -hmm. and then take it to the office and then went off to the letter for a while. Mm -hmm. And then he didn't ink it until the letters were complete. Um, it wasn't until much later that you would start inking and then they'd apply the letters after your inks. Oh, okay. So, so the sound effects were, that's, they, they were probably placed there by the letter and yeah. then, and, and then Neil might've indicated those in the pencils, uh, which gotcha. had been erased. Um, but yeah, he would hand in the pencils, they would go after the letter, and then when he got the boards back, they would have the pen, the panels line, the borders done, and the sound effects and the lettering, and then you inked around them. 
Man, that and is a lot funny. of old pages you'll see editorial blue pencil where the inks crash into the word balloon a little bit. You know, they got to clean that up. And of course, they didn't give a shit. So I got like a two hundred thousand dollar now piece of artwork, and there's a big old fucking blue pencil like you know right <laughs> in the middle of the page like fix this. Oh yeah, I've got I've I've my most treasured page has been you know corners ripped off of it and right. cut with a knife. It's it's yeah it's it's but it's a burn page and it's yeah. butchered up pretty bad. This Batman has two holes on the top because I'm sure that's how it fit into their scanning machine or whether you're scanning mm-hmm. photography. Yeah, I mean it is it's oh, it is keep them all the is, same. It's you know, commercial. It's up. commercial art, man. Yeah. It was, they weren't it in was the business unper- of making originals. They were making freaking comics. Is there yep. a Neil? Uh, are there any Neil artist editions? No. Oh, that's not true. I have one. Um, it's for a story called Thrill Kill. Thrill Kill. It's um, based on the. Um, uh, where's that guy from? Was it Dallas, the shooter in the water tower or whatever? Well, uh, Whitman or Whitmire? Whit- uh... Sounds right. They kind of became Bogdanovich's first movie. Um, now I'm blanking on the name of it. Anyway, uh, Neil did a story called Thrill Kill about a killer up on top of the building. Charles Whitmore. Mm-hmm. And he's got a rifle and he's shooting. It's a horrible, depressing, gory story. Uh, but beautifully drawn by Neil and incredible inking. And they did a mini, because the story is only, I don't know, 12 pages. They did a mini portfolio thing. Um, with full size art, uh, it's good scan. Whitman, Charles Whitman. Yeah. Uh, the let's see, what would have been Bogdanovich? His first movie with Boris Karloff. Oh God, I I should know this. It's something like bullets or yeah, terrible. Let me. I just saw it recently too. That's Neil, right? Yeah. Uh, is it Neil or Garcia? I think it's Neil. It's here, Neil Garcia Lopez. It's hard to tell. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, my Green Lantern uh, pint glass. Right. <laughs> Are you finding this out? Because I'm looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, targets. It would. It would. Thank you. Yeah, it wouldn't be a, an AC episode if there wasn't a dramatic pause of a Google search. <laughs> search, search, search. I just watched a Karloff documentary on Shutter the other night mm. it was okay it was it was not bad except it drove me nuts that in the like the intro and throughout the film they, they used like the shittiest fucking art as like backgrounds i'm like as many people have drawn karloff as you know every character <laughs> really you couldn't get someone other than this whoever shitty fucking artist you got yeah speaking of films neil had a he was brilliant about making continuity available to films and commercials as a way to like, look, if you figure out how to shoot this on the day, it's going to cost you a fortune. Give me, give my studio 50 grand and we'll lay it out beautifully. We'll do beautiful storyboards for you and we'll figure out everything you need to know. You get to the, to shooting. It's simple as pie. It's much cheaper to hire us than to wing it. Much more efficient, right? Yeah. And that's how everybody does it now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. James Brown. Can't do anything. James Brown was Without in it. this movie. Oh, no. What? Different James Brown. Sorry. <laughs> the story of that movie is funny. I'm sorry, I know we're talking about Neil, but they... So Corman told Bogdanovich, I hired Karloff to do a shitty movie, and we, we're not going to make it. 
but I got like, I got like <laughs> eight minutes of Karloff footage and I need you to turn, we can't throw the money away. So I need you to turn that into a movie. <laughs> Sounds like an Ed Wood film. Like, my daughter's yeah. like, oh I, shit. What are I? Well, he and his wife at the time, Polly Platt, uh, got together and Whitman was in the news and they figured, so what if that shooting happens at a drive-in and they're showing oh, the Karloff movie? Right. And so they spun it into this whole thing and he showed it to Corman and he said, but here's the thing. I need some new Karloff too. <laughs> like the existing footage isn't <laughs> enough. I need, I need like two more days. And fortunately, Corman liked the script and he's like, all right, I'll pay Boris another two grand or you can, you know. So in the movie, it's funny. Karloff actually like slaps, bitch slaps the, the shooter, <laughs> like gets his hands on him. So he's a little shit and smacks him. That's the ending. Have you watched, or not watched, have you listened to um, uh, The Plot Thickens, the TCM podcast yes. with the whole yeah. Bogdanovich? I've been listening to that. That's what was driving me nuts. I couldn't remember the name of the movie because I I was just listening to that podcast. I love them both. And I hate to say it, but that podcast made me like, Bogdanovich and Mankovich a little less, I'm afraid. Really? Yeah, but Peter, um, it helped. It helped. You, you should also listen to the, uh, you must remember this. Oh, that's, that's about Polly Platt. She's, that podcast is great. That will leave you thinking Peter didn't treat Polly Platt very well and that Peter was one of these many Hollywood men who wow. jumped from one young beautiful woman to another sure. and screw, mm -hmm. screw the consequences to everybody else you know and then Mankiewicz playing along with that and and so Mankiewicz is kind of invested in the Orson Welles Mankiewicz argument you know because sure, that sure. was his great great uncle I think maybe um, yeah but the way he kind of kissed Peter's ass and glossed over a lot of the hurtful stuff he did and that combined with uh, minimizing Orson's contributions to uh, Kane kind of annoyed me, but that's my own personal. Sure. I can understand. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the, Bogdanovich, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not Bogdanovich's therapist or his priest. What he does to what he's done to the women in his life, you know, I, I don't know. I separate that from the films that he makes, yeah. but I understand what you mean. I mean, it, me too. And I still, and I, by the way, like less means I went from like near worship of the Bogdanovich <laughs> yeah. to just simply thinking, oh, he's so great. Sure, sure. <laughs> I still would. If I could have bought him lunch while he was still alive and listen to stories for three hours, I'd take that any day of the week. Have, right. I know we're going, we're deviating far from oh god we've got andy and sal talking about movies. old hollywood yeah well uh, have you all right um <laughs> have you uh uh on paramount plus the uh the show uh it's a limited series the offer it's about the making no i so it's funny you say that because i'm working on a project with a writer named ted sullivan and he's buddies with one of the guys in the offer I, he may play coppola He's kind of okay. A, he's got a beard. Yeah, no, there's well, yeah, character actor guys. Yeah, yeah. And so, based on Ted's recommendation, I got Paramount this very day just so I could watch that damn thing. So I'm excited. It's pretty good. It's pretty fun, uh, and and some stuff I didn't really know. But the guy who plays uh, Bob, uh, um, Evan, yeah, Is that right? fucking nails it. He's I mean, oh, just the voice. He does just enough 
where it's Robert Evans, but it's not a caricature. And I think he just, I think he kills it. I was just like, I was actually. His documentary is great, by the way. You got to see the kid stays in the Oh, yeah. Yeah. Evans is a character. Unless you, unless you actually accidentally want to start just talking. Do I want to talk about Robert Evans? <laughs> talk like Robert Evans? Yes, I, I, do. I do want to talk like Robert <laughs> Evans. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. It's, he had. I didn't realize. Yeah. Like he has that mid Atlantic. You know, he has that fake mid Atlantic accent, like Carrie right. Carrie Grant. The, the Carrie Grant yeah. thing. Or Hello. The thing. Yeah. yeah. Did I like the documentary? No. Did yeah. I love it? Yeah, Hell yes. I did. <laughs> <laughs> How do you not fall in love with that though? It's there's something about about that guy. It's just like you know, you know, he's full of shit, but it's just something about him too. That I don't know. Yeah. I know. I just I'm Robert Evans, and this is my story. It just, he just, yeah. And he doesn't gloss over the times he fucked up or the heartbreak or you know. He's I love him. Oh, Tom, you're back. Tom's back. We had video. We had a video. We have a video. My my video is freezing. Oh, he's frozen again. It's it's stop it's stop animation. We got we got. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, Andy, before we wrap up, I want to make sure um, that uh, that we let everyone out there know what you're up to these days, how to follow you on the interwebs, all that good stuff. I'm a big, big disappointment on that front, because, and it's actually become a, a thing in my life recently. After Extraction came out, I decided I needed to try to capitalize on that and mm -hmm. chase Hollywood money for a few years. So I've got a screenplay I'm revising. I got a TV pitch that I've worked on with some people that I'm revising. The sad news is I've been working, you know, fairly hard, but I got nothing to show for it. I haven't done any comics in a while. And I got, I was kind of down a couple of weeks ago and I went, I think part of the reason I'm down is that I'm not making anything. I, so I'm, I'm looking for projects. Phil and I am maybe involved in a Kevin Smith thing again. Oh, that's oh, cool. slow developing. Mm. Um, and I may I may try to find a graphic novel project I can I can get going on because chasing Hollywood money is something I need to do because uh, you know every one of those checks is compared to comics is like oh especially if you live in the it's, middle of Kansas it's frightening <laughs> yeah. um, oh oh that's an I didn't know, I didn't know that kind of <laughs> that kind of money existed right. uh, is um, chasing the money easy no do I love it yes. yes. <laughs> Let me tell you, kid. Uh, you stick with me. And... Hollywood is very fickle, but when it comes through, it's significant. Um, but yeah, there is a, part of the reason I got into comics is I wanted to actually make things that come out. Maybe can make a little difference in somebody's life. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, so I do miss that. So in other words, I'm not hawking anything. I'm not pitching, promoting anything. Uh, you can find me because my name is spelled weird. You can find me on social media that way. Just Andy Parks on whatever. Well, let me pitch this to you. I got a I got a story about a trucker and uh, <laughs> right, Tom. Uh -huh. Tom, we got a trucker. We got a whole line of trucker yeah. comic books. We want to. Yeah. Produce. yeah. <laughs> well, the comic books and, and Andy uh, are one of our new bits. Is oh, that yeah. Every week we find a um, uh, a, a public domain uh, superhero. Six gun uh, gorilla. Uh, it's a six story of a gorilla who wants revenge, and he carries a six gun. There's nothing Speed like it. Centaur. Speed centaur. Speed centaur, but faster. Faster than regular centaur. And... So the yeah. the public domain domain comic characters. What from what? 
Are there certain eras and publishers that they tend to come out of? It's all old stuff. It's yeah, we just go and look online and 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 we find the most ridiculous public domain yeah. character, and then we just kind of. It's like eighty percent Captain Marvel ripoffs. <laughs> yeah. It's like a guy with a ring, a guy with a ring that has like five gods that show up, or like you know, like Wisdom. I have a belt. That, yeah, like, he's got yeah. smarts. He's got talent. He's got <laughs> like he's shockingly yeah. not shockingly not even attempting to hide at all. Like the you know the Captain Marvel esque, he's a newsboy. Like, well, Captain Marvel deserved to be ripped off, right? Because I mean, according to DC Comics, he was a rip off. Yes, yeah, and it's like yeah, we are. Our guy's nothing like uh, Captain Marvel. He's this guy's got a belt. <laughs> <He's>, yeah. <laughs> sure, he's got, he's he's got a, two lightning belts on his chest, not one. Uh, so, yeah, no one owns yeah. Hercules. Not to get off on a tangent about comics history again, but I think it's in the Strango history. They talk that Strango did these great history of comics. There's two volumes of really worth seeking out. But they t- he has a whole little chapter about when they did the um, Mr. Mind. Is that the worm? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they did that whole saga. Like this Mr. Mind, you know, they're like, wow, he's pulling all the strings and it went on for a while. And then they're like, okay, we got to figure this out. We don't know what the... We don't know what Mr. Mind <laughs> and they bashed it out. I think in a weekend they get, they got a hotel suite and they got all the guys and they there's like a guy drawing in the bathtub and they and they said somebody said a worm he's a worm they're like oh shit that's the craziest thing we ever heard let's do it <laughs> <laughs> he turns into a worm with a speaker around his yeah neck. that's <laughs> great great character I love it I love it yeah. I tell you I tell you I never seen a worm this exciting and dynamic in my life yeah. <laughs> I love I love that Mr. Mind made it into uh, into the movie. Yeah, hopefully he'll be a big part of the second one if they ever hope, if they ever make yeah, it. Hollywood, so. Hollywood, yeah. the land What's, of dreams, and uh, what was the DC event that the ancient that he, uh, ancient Shazam could be Hercules or it could be Hollywood. <laughs> heartbreak, <laughs> Hercules, heartbreak. <laughs> Tom, what was what was the DC event that the, that the big bad ended up being? Um, skeets, but it was Mr. Mind. It was, it was 52. It was 52. Okay. Spoilers if you didn't read that. <laughs> you, from, sorry. You know, 15 <laughs> years ago, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was Skeets the whole time. Yeah. Son of a bitch. That little robot. Can't it was that. Mr. Mind inside Skeets. Oh, that's right. That, yeah. Yeah. We Let's had to have a, it. we had to have Skeets clean. You had to have a clean Skeets. You couldn't just blame you it on clean Skeets. Yeah. All right, is that uh, kind of our 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 look back on yeah. uh, kind of our our thoughts on Neil Adams and catching That's up with our, our good but what's Andy? Let's not wait for another uh, iconic <laughs> the creator to die. Stop killing off yeah. comic book creators, Andy, and we'll have you back on. <laughs> yeah, I we'll really enjoy back. you guys. Anytime you have an excuse to invite me, please do. I, I, love, I like well, you guys. Uh, I love you. I'll say it. I love you. We're also uh, Andy. You know. Chris and I and Will Pfeiffer, uh, fellow comic book creator. Don't promote your other podcast with Tom sitting here. That's so rude. Well, Tom is more than welcome uh, to be a part of it. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Trust me. It's not like it's he's like Sunday Sunday afternoon. No, I got yeah. shit going on. Guys. I like I like my I like my family. Yeah, yeah. So what do you guys and Will talk about? Well, we're we've been doing. Uh, K Billy Super Sounds, which is just a spinoff of this, uh, but we talk about we've been talking about all the 
Quentin Tarantino films oh, one by one. In order. But we're moving on. And once we're finished with Tarantino, we're going to move on, I think, to the Coen brothers is our next. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. So if you want to be a part of that, maybe, uh, we, you know, yeah. yeah, we could. We could. You should reach out. I can talk about the Coens for a long time. Well, all right. Yeah. All right. It's uh, it's uh, once once a month. Cool. Um, we just watch yeah. it, and we're gonna try and set up like, I think, where we do a communal live viewing, uh, you know, and and so people can listen to us comment as we watch it, and then <laughs> listen to us because you know the people uh, they, that you don't get enough yeah, of well, us. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Right. Why not ruin the movie? <laughs> <laughs> it could be fun. I, I, did a, I didn't know what venue to do it. I think we ended up doing a Netflix watch party instead of a mm -hmm. YouTube thing. But I did one for Extraction. We had like twenty of us just kind of chatting about it while it ran. It was, it was fun. Yeah, it's not like it's movies people haven't seen. Tom, come on, they've seen these movies. You know, it's not the first uh, time. I, all right, people are into it. <laughs> I, I can't stop. I can't stop them. <laughs> That's the beauty of podcasting. You can't stop yeah. us. No one, no one, no one I got ready. I, I, I just got my uh, my Criterion uh, Blu-ray of Blood Simple. Uh, uh, last ready week, to so. go. I just watched it uh, about a month ago. It's almost 40 years old, Andy. Crazy. Oh, God. It's, it's 38 years old. <sighs> Blood Simple came out. I'd forgotten how despicable. I, I knew... Uh, M.M. at Walsh was just, I'd forgotten Dan Hedaya, how just like, ugh, horrible. I, was that the, the, um, the, the P.I.? He's, no, M.M. at Walsh is a P.I. Uh, Dan Hedaya oh. is the, the, the husband of. Oh, like, yeah, oh. yeah, the, the, the furry guy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, from Cheers and other stuff. Oh, it's yeah. just despicable. Oh, that's right, it was Carlos, um, um. Was he the husband before Jay Thomas or after? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's right. He's I also got a great part in Joe versus the volcano, which is the movie. All I'm right, watching. save it for the new, the other yeah. podcast. Yes, got it. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> Neil, yeah. I'm sorry to your, to your memory. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Check, check that on on uh, uh, Patreon. So it's uh, patreon.com uh, forward slash around comics. Um, find more about uh, ACTV and KBLE Superstance. We're going to come up with a name for the Coen Brothers one. I think we're doing the first 12 movies is what we're kind of cool. looking at Do right a now. year. Man, like, they've got like 27 movies. We've been Do doing it for really? two years. Wow. It's a lot, more than you can. Maybe we just cherry yeah. pick. We can, we can, you know, there's some. That no, the first 12 no. are all really good. Yeah, but there's some it's later how, ones that are really good, too. They're really good, too. Yeah. yeah. There's not. not the only comics. one I cannot watch is uh, Lady Killers. I can watch. I, I like I, the Lady the, Killers. The lawyer one I like Simmons. a lot, and a lot, most people don't. Uh, Which one? Uh, yeah. Uh, Intolerable Cruelty. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I could do without a few of them. There's a few I can I can do with that. Well, you're gonna watch all of them because no. I know you guys. <laughs> and we have nothing better to do on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it'll be like you'll get through. You're like we got to do all of them. Can't just do some of them. <laughs> Tom, I don't like sunshine. Okay, it's just the way it is. Yeah. I... <laughs> what are you doing today? I, I'm gonna talk about a movie I don't like for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> listen my kids are grown i have nothing to do i, I know i know i get it i get it man I i'll be there in a little while yeah by the way why was i the only one i saw in this episode doing this oh no i had margarita for oh, no, cinco I de mayo I, I, yes I, me too yes. 
I was drinking a uh, Boulevardier. Nice. Cervezos. Yeah. Nice. It's Milwaukee Cervezos. I was just like turning yeah, was... around to do it. So. We're more discreet these days. We're trying to be a. Uh, we're 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 more upstanding. High, we're more highbrow now. Oh yeah, that's uh, us. Highbrow. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> All right, is that it for old. this week? I got things to I do. I think I think that's it. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. next week we'll be back. We've got a backlog of some awesome comics to talk about. We still haven't talked about Rogues, which I'm really liking. The new Obi One uh, came out this week, and. I, it was, I'm, uh, I'm a fool for a good Star Wars. I have a connection show. to Rogues, which I'll tell you about on some other show. Oh, ah, well, all right. Damn yeah. it! Now, what's good? Now I want to know. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> you gonna come we'll, back we'll, next we'll, week? We'll, we'll... <laughs> uh, that's so, what they said to me. <laughs> nah, I'm every week. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, Tom was our first guest. Is that right? <laughs> no, he wasn't so our kind of, first no. guest, but he was. <laughs> He was a guest, certainly, initially. He was, yeah, he was a guest. Actually, our very first creator guest was Phil. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yep. He was the first, first guy that was ever like actually gave us his number. It's like, yeah, you can call me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, uh, we'll be back next week uh, with more uh, new comic talk. Um, go check out some Neil Adams comics if you haven't before. Some truly, truly great Hands stuff. Hands and feet. Uh, Hands and feet, hands and feet, dynamic. Uh, Don't show uh, your feet. No showing feet on the internet. <laughs> well, you get that in our Tarantino podcast. Yeah, plenty. Oh, wow. Of, yeah, wow, no shoes time over there. <laughs> no shoes, baby. Oh, just my, this is just how, my, just my... <laughs> what is on your socks? French fries? Is what, that McDonald's they, French uh, fries? French fries and uh, hamburgers. Oh, lovely. Hey, if you guys become Patreons, you'll get the sockless version. (laughs) 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 That's worth $5 a month alone. All right. Tom's Tom's versus socks. Just (laughs) out of frame. Barefoot. (laughs) We will be back next Thursday. Save that time. Save that channel. In the meantime, in between toes, <laughs> filthy <laughs> everywhere, in and around, and around comics. Comics. R.I.P. Neil. <laughs> <laughs>